Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We want you today in the start, in the beginning of 2019, we want you to grow in your faith this year. The number one way that you can do that is by reading your Bible. It's not actually by coming to church. The number one way they tell us that research has shown us that you grow in your faith is by reading your Bible. And so more than anything this year, I want for you to read your Bible. I want you to read your Bible more than you come to church. I still want you to come to church, of course, but I want you to read your Bible. And there are a couple of ways that we want to encourage you to do that. First up, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, is the Reformation Reading Plan. You can download the app on your phone. We have several printouts in the back of the, the sanctuary now that you can take home, and you have a daily reading plan to get through the Bible. You can go at any pace you want. You don't have to read as much as they tell you to read every day. And then the other way that we want you to read your Bible this year, the other way that you have the opportunity to do so, is through our sermon series, The Story. This week we are in chapter 3 of the story. And we see the story of Joseph and how he goes from slave to deputy Pharaoh, number two in all of Egypt. And so for the next 28 weeks, taking us all the way through September, we're going to go from beginning to end in the Bible. And we want to encourage you as you're doing that. And so if you want to take some of the resources that we have available from the story, which have been given to us, those are also in the back. And you can just take those home with you. Do you want to grow in your faith? Read the Bible. And, and today, today we come to chapter 3 where we're talking about Joseph. And I want to begin with a very simple question for the parents out there that you're not actually allowed to answer, but I'm going to answer for you. Do you have a favorite child? And the obvious answer is yes. Of course you have a favorite child. Of course you have a favorite child because you can just kind of choose from among them which is your favorite at any given time. So if you're going to take a look at my family right now, family of six. Oh, this is our hospital photo from Monday. This is hours after Liz had given birth and I stood by her side. And that was it. All I did was stand there. And she did all the work. And I'll tell you, I have a favorite child in this picture. It's Eugene Matthew. It's the newest one, right? Liz is holding him. I mean, he is so sweet and kind. But I'll tell you what, my favorite child changed during this week. (laughs) I mean, how can Matthew, or how can Eugene Matthew be my favorite child when he's screaming in the middle of the night? When he's crying for no reason? I mean, my favorite child's going to change if all of a sudden uh, my other child brings me a beer from downstairs. <laughs> oh, look who, look who upped themselves in the rankings, really going far. Or, or, hey, I'm too lazy to go get something out of the fridge. Will you grab me a soda? Oh, yeah, so now Grace is in first place. Right? And it changes because we're fickle human beings that that rank people and choose who we love based on what they do for us, even as parents. Even as parents. And so the, the correct answer is, do you have a favorite child? Oh, no, of course not. Oh, no, I love all my children 
and we use the code word differently, right? Because if I love my children differently, that means I still have love for all my children, but it is different, the levels of love that we have. And we see this in Joseph's family. Joseph was the 11th son born to Jacob, and yet he was his father's favorite son. And it got so annoying for the other brothers that they wanted to kill him. Now, I can appreciate a good sibling rivalry as the one who wasn't my parents' favorite, right? I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, Tara Nicole, my older sister, was my parents' favorite. She was perfect in every way. And I say perfect in every way because she never got caught doing anything. I, on the other hand, got caught doing everything. Mom would have a common phrase for me when I was growing up. She said, Matt, you must have special plans in your life because God's not letting you get away with anything. I said, that's interesting. But, but Joseph's brothers hated him. They, they hated him. They hated him so much and for so many reasons. And Joseph kind of earned their hatred, right? And so he has this cloak, and maybe you've heard of this cloak, this dream coat of many colors, and, and they made a musical about it. I was actually in the musical, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat in eighth grade. And it was amazing. I was the older brother, Reuben, who saves the younger brother's life. But I was also the understudy for Joseph. And I'll tell you what, I hated Joseph. We were playing football on the playground one day. And I was the quarterback, and Joseph was the wide receiver, and I throw the ball up there. And, and he goes up, and he catches the ball right in stride, running into the end zone. We score, and he runs right into the dumpster. And he's down in a heap. And in my head, I'm like, I'm Joseph. This is it. I'm Joseph. I'm so, I'm so excited. I'm like kind of bummed that my friend is hurt. Poor Philip, but, it, but internally, right? I'm Joseph. Turns out I was not Joseph. He was fine. He got up and he brushed himself off. But, but we act like this internally. We, we do this and, and sometimes we vocalize. Sometimes we actually share the evil that's inside of us. But Joseph's life shows us the repeated reversal of evil. Israel, Jacob, his father, probably should not have given his son Joseph a coat of many colors, probably shouldn't have treated Joseph repeatedly as his favorite. Joseph himself had dreams that he would be standing above his brothers in, in kind of authority over them, and they they. They laughed at him and got angry at him and hated him for it. But Joseph's entire life shows us the repeated reversal of evil that God is constantly acting for good. You're the 11th son? Well, you're dad's favorite. Your brothers try to kill you, just like Joseph's brothers. Well, 
God provides an escape. In the middle of Joseph's story, he's sold into slavery and he works for a, a man and, and gets made head of the household. But then the man's wife accuses him of trying to get with him, get with her. And he, th- he gets thrown in jail. Joseph goes from slave to head of the household to jail. And then while he's in jail, two dudes who are in the Pharaoh's court have these dreams. And Joseph's like, hey, I know God. God can interpret the dreams for you. And Joseph, using God's wisdom, interprets the dreams correctly. And he says, guys, when you go back to Pharaoh's presence, just just remember me, okay? And the text tells us the, the two men forgot Hey, who is, who is that guy that told us what was going to happen to us? I don't know. It was two years before the baker remembered Joseph's dream and his interpretation. Pharaoh himself started having these dreams, these nightmares. Pharaoh says, who can tell me what this means? And he brought in all of his wise men, all of the smartest people in the entire nation of Egypt could not tell Pharaoh what the dreams meant. So the baker says, oh, my bad. I was supposed to remember this guy that we met in prison, right? And I got to be honest, if, if somebody ever comes to you with advice, hey, let me go get this guy I met while I was in prison, I mean, Scott will tell you, maybe not the best option. (laughs) Jason could confirm, right? But this is what happens, and Joseph gets called up, and the Pharaoh says, hey, I've heard you can interpret dreams, and Joseph says, no, it's not me. It's the God whom I worship who will interpret your dream for you. And Joseph tells him, you've had two dreams, but they're the same dream. There's going to be seven years of plenty in the land, seven years of God's favor, and then there are going to be seven years of famine where nothing is grown or, or reaped. So you're going to want to take this first seven years and, and store away all the food that you can to get you through these second seven years. You're going to want a smart guy to do that for you. And the Pharaoh says, well, why not you? Why not you? And so Joseph goes from slave to second in command. Only the Pharaoh is still above Joseph. And it goes exactly as God had interpreted the dream. There were seven years of plenty, and the Egyptians stored away all the food that they could. 20% of every year's harvest went into storage so that in the second seven years... They could feed the people from the food that they had stored away. And then the famine hits the land. And it's so bad, and it's bad everywhere. And even Jacob and his 11 sons are starving. And Jacob says to his sons, I've heard there's food in Egypt. Go to Egypt and get the food. Take whatever you can so that you can buy the food. And they go to Egypt to get the food. And the man who is responsible for passing out the food is the brother 
that they had sold into slavery. Now, recently, there's this thing that's been happening on Facebook uh, where you share your first profile picture from 10 years ago, and then you share your profile picture from today just to see how much aging has crushed you. And so Liz shows me this picture that's the first picture she had posted on Facebook, and it's from our wedding day 13 years ago. And let me tell you what, hair for days. I mean, y'all, I had so much hair. And, and four kids later, I have no, no, I'm growing it out, can't you tell? No, you can't. But think about this, 13, no, 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 yeah, 13 years had passed, even more. Joseph was 17 when he was sold into slavery. He was 30 when he took over for Pharaoh. So he would have been at least 37 when his brothers came to him, probably closer to 40. Do you think his brothers had any chance of recognizing this Egyptian? I mean, think about it. His brother would have been completely transformed. And he's standing there over them. And he runs them. You really got to read Genesis 37 to 50 this week. You will finish it this afternoon. He runs them through the gamut. I really think as the younger brother, he is like just trying to get back at them a little bit. Like, hey, you guys sold me into slavery, so I'm going to make you do all sorts of crazy things. And he sends them back, and then they come back, and then he sends them back again, and they come back again. And then at the very end, the very end in Genesis 50, Joseph and his brothers are talking about his entire life. And he says to them, as they are scared for their lives, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. How many people in our lives mean evil against us? And how does God mean to make it for our good. As I was preparing for the sermon this week, I actually went back and listened to a sermon I preached about 14 months ago. And the question I ask is, can you pray thy will be done at all times? Because I struggle to answer that question, yes. I was preaching on thy will be done as part of our sermon series on the Lord's Prayer that we call Teach Us to Pray. It's on our website. You can go back and listen to it today. It's 17 minutes of preaching. It is a better sermon than I have given to you this morning. So if you want some extra help this afternoon, go and listen to that sermon because it is full of fire. Because I don't want to pray thy will be done four months after my dad dies. I don't want to pray thy will be done right now. Because I struggle with God's will and what it means when I'm in the midst of, of pain and hurt. I mean, it's easy to pray thy will be done when your dad puts on a multicolored cloak on your back. 
It's easy to pray, thy will be done when you're getting promoted and you're getting a raise and you're getting accepted to school. It's easy to pray, thy will be done when your brakes work and you don't get into the accident. It is hard to pray, thy will be done with pain and death. I bring up this picture because that's exactly what this guy did. This is the kicker for the Chicago Bears. In the very last moments of the playoff game last week against the Eagles, he was set up for the game-winning kick. And, and maybe you've seen this before. As players are running off the field after a celebration, they point to heaven like, thanks God for this great day. And, and it's really hard. You probably can't see the score, but the score right now says Philadelphia 16, Chicago 15, and the Chicago player is pointing to heaven and giving thanks to God after he had just missed the game-winning field goal. His team loses. They are out of the playoffs. And I don't just bring this up because I'm a Lions fan. But this guy is a Christian giving glory to God and saying, thy will be done in all circumstances, even when he fails his team and his city. He says, thy will be done. And the thing about it is that we know what Paul tells us is true. In Romans 8, Paul says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those called according to his purpose. But it's not all good. Our lives are not all good. We have sin, which means we have death and we have diagnosis and, and we have disease and pain and suffering. And we lose people that we love. God's promise is that it's not all good, but that he is always going to work for our good. A few verses later, Paul says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This is the entirety of the Christian faith, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not being the favorite, not being the least favorite, not winning the game or losing the game, not avoiding the accident or causing the accident. That in all things, God is working for our good because he's working in Jesus. There are many, many people in our world today acting against us for evil. But what they mean as evil, God works for good in Jesus. Pray with me. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have chosen us as your own before you laid the foundation of the world and that you act today through Jesus to claim us from sin and death. 
to claim us as your own. That you have wrapped us, not in a cloak of many colors, but in a cloak of righteousness received from our brother Jesus, whose death and resurrection sets us free. Help us to live in that freedom, to share your love with our family and friends and everyone we meet. This we pray through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.